If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. People can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. It's time to take the humanity back into the center of the ring and follow that for a time. You know, think on that. Without people, you're nothing. Without people, you're nothing. Stoke the fire. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Uh, it's episode two of Stoke the Fire, a brand new culture, lifestyle and music podcast hosted by myself, Matt Stocks, and my dear friend, Jesse Leach, live from New York City. Ladies oh. and gentlemen, Jesse, how is it over there and how are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I cannot complain. I'm doing all right. I've been for my daily walk. I've had my daily dose of nature. And I think nature is a big part of this show and this this whole format and friendship, isn't it? Is mixing rock and roll and urban city life, which we've obviously come of age in that environment. And we're from those worlds. But obviously, in the, the times that we're in with everything closed, I think we've both been on a similar trajectory of reconnecting with the outdoors and nature. And really, the whole premise for this show was to kind of take those campfire chats that we've been having in these lockdown times and bring that into the the realms of podcasting. So yeah, I've had my daily dose of nature and I love feel it. now I'm ready for this. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. It's it's uh I love that we bond on that. And I think people are excited as well because we're seeing a great response already on social media. So thank you to everybody who's uh followed us and uh and and paid attention to what's going on. We're super excited and uh I just have a lot of hope for this. I think people are ready for this kind of a podcast for sure. Yeah, social media, we're on there. We've set up accounts on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we've got a YouTube as well. I don't think we've uploaded anything there yet, but we will. Um, yeah. And yeah, go follow us on all of them. The handle is the same for every single one, Stoke the Fire Pod, and we'll be on there every day. So obviously the podcast is once a week, but we'll be on there the other six days of the week sharing photos, videos, and hopefully... As much as we'll be promoting the podcast, of course, we want to use those platforms to get to know you. I think that's what's going to be different about this is we really do want to include you into our community and you'll have a say, you know, and we do read messages. We respond. It's a passion. It's not just something we're doing for shits and giggles. You know, it's something that we really sort of need almost in a way just to connect. I think during these times where there's so much division and separation, it's really important to create sort of a, a campfire community. I love that term because it just brings a great em- image to your mind. So yeah, reach out to us. We also have a Gmail too, stokethefirepod at gmail.com. Send us a message, give us ideas, maybe you have an idea for a guest, whatever it is, just spitball at us, man, and be a part of this community. And if you subscribe, you're going to get extra stuff. So it's completely worth what you're getting for the price. It's brilliant. You just reminded me of something as well. We were saying how much of a cool thing it would be if people listen to this show, weather permitting, actually outdoors around a fire. So 
if you're not doing it this week, do it next week. And if you do do it, please do take photos, tag us in them, send them in. And uh, that for me would be a beautiful thing is the the visual component and actually seeing people by the campfire wherever they are in the world listening to this show. I mean, that is, we're on Zoom right now because we have to be, but hopefully in time there will be a real fire and we'll be there in real life and we can take the concept actually into a literal format and and keep the fires stoked for real. That would be ideal. I would love that. Love that. I'm sure the listeners or viewers would as well. It'd be a nice way to kick things off when the world returns back to a social environment. Well, that segues perfectly into what we're going to be talking about on today's show. And we should point out at the start, Jesse and I are obviously not scientists. We're obviously not experts. We don't claim to be. We're definitely not politicians. So we're not here to give this the spin. But what we would like to do today, and this might even end up spilling over into next week as well and becoming almost a two-part episode because there's a lot of ground to cover. But because last week we, we sort of described and detailed our shared history and friendship to give you that backstory, I thought it would be a good idea today to retread the events of the last 12 months because as much as it's been hellish, some good stuff has come out of this year this podcast selfishly for me being one of them my connection with you jesse was already there before the pandemic but i think in these times when we've been isolated in a physical sense from a lot of our quote-unquote fairweather friends let's say or just the habitual people that we have in and out of our life because of our routine i think this year has really reconfigured for a lot of people who their true friends are and I, I've enjoyed connecting with you on a deeper level this year because of this madness that you know you and I and everybody we know have been going through. And yeah. I don't think if it wasn't for this pandemic, then we would be doing this show. So I, for one, am at least grateful for that. Yeah, you have to sort of uh, adjust your, your way of thinking and, and your mindset. I mean, it's sink or swim at this point. So for me, you know, when this whole thing started out, it was kind of devastating to my career, really. Um, I lost a lot of money, uh, just all the things that you take for granted, you know, like, you know, um, being able to pay your bills, not what I just, I was living a privileged enough life with my career where I didn't really give a second thought to my bills being paid to groceries being paid to, you know, heat, like little things that I just had taken care of when my career got put into a halt, it really made me think pretty hard about shit that I've been probably taking for granted. And you have to, like you said, the connection you make with people during this time via Zoom or whatever has become so crucial. And you do see the people that are your friends or people around you that maybe weren't as crucial as you thought they were. Um, And I think there's been a perspective shift for everybody, good or bad. But again, at the end of the day, you have to kind of spin it into survival and positivity that's the way i see it it's survival but it's also staying positive you know because i don't see another option it's either that or you get depressed and you know there was a bit of that but i refuse to live that way i fight every day to to not be that way so it's been interesting to say the least yeah the key word for me is not just survival but thrival and and trying to not just think i'm here it's another day so let's just get by I mean, that's one side to life, sure. But, you know, I'm here and you're here and hopefully people tuned into this are here to really experience life and 
enjoy it and be happy as much as we can. And this year has been the ultimate test of that. Um, in a kind of half-hearted attempt to summarize all of the madness, let's maybe begin with the opening two months of last year, pre-pandemic. Um, because I think to get that context, that's when you really see like the rapid change in lifestyle. Because it was all, it, it felt like an overnight thing for me. Maybe it was different for you. But for me, it was like one day, everything was going along as normal. And then, bang. So for you, Jesse, in April and February of last year, what was going on? What were you up to? And where were you personally within your life? What sort yeah. of a headspace were you at? So I, I, you know, I had my first real vacation, like real vacation. I think my entire life, uh, the longest I've gone on a vacation, quote unquote, is four days. So, because I tour. So when I had a real job, any vacation I got, I was on tour or I played shows. That's been my life since as far back as I can remember. So for the first time in my life, I had a little bit of a break in February and I went on a vacation to Thailand for uh, 22 days. Mind I remember you posting pictures, uh, man, and you looked so happy. It was you the were coolest. glowing. Yeah, it was literally the coolest thing I've ever done. And you want to talk about freedom. It just felt like there were no, and you know, when you go on vacation with American dollars to Thailand, money is just not an issue. So, you know, it's very, very inexpensive. So my girlfriend and I were just having the time of our lives, hopping from island to island, you know, going into the jungle, doing crazy stuff. Beautiful, amazing. I'll never forget it as long as I live. And then... um you know, rumors started to to circulate about this coronavirus thing, but where we were, you would you couldn't see it. There was nobody's worried about it. We didn't really see any of it till we got to the airport after our vacation. And then you see, you know, fear. You could feel it. You could sense it in the air, but it still wasn't a reality. So we got home. You know, took a breather, and I had to tour the next week. I was getting ready to to launch probably what was set up to be one of the most successful tours of Killswitch Engage's career because we had uh, a band light the torch with Howard Jones on vocals. And for those who don't know, Killswitch Engage, Howard Jones was the vocalist for about nine years. So we had the older vocalist and then myself. I started the band, removed myself, and then came back. So you had the two guys that did vocals for this band on the same tour together. So we were going to unravel a, uh, you know, roll out a rather... A, an amazing set. And I knew our fans were stoked. Show, the shows were sold out. It was going to be one of the biggest paychecks, budget. Like we're on top of the world is what I'm trying to say. It would have been historical. That's historical. what it was going to be. Historical. And the vibe in that camp between all the bands, uh, and August Burns Red as well, which is another successful band in that genre. So it's just a powerhouse of a bill. Two days into this tour, everyone's getting along. The vibe is there. Everyone's happy. And then things came to a screeching halt on our day off. I remember we were in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, standing outside the bus and just seeing the look on my tour manager's face, just like, we're going home. It's it. We're done. And, you know, to be completely honest with you, at first, it's like a bit of relief because it's scary stuff and you want to be around the people you love. So I got to go home and make sure my home was good, be with my girlfriend, check in with my family. The first week or so was relief and anticipation. 
And, you know, as with anything, when you go through a crazy thing, and you can attest to this as well, I'm sure, you kind of go through phases, you go through changes. And at first, there was a bit of denial in my mind. I thought, oh, yeah, this is a couple weeks. They'll sort it out. This tour is going to get back on the road in, in a couple months or so. I had high hopes. I thought it wasn't going to be half as bad as it was. And then, yeah, it got worse. And that kind of spiraled me into like, well, what the hell do I do now? So that was the start of it. It was kind of a time of denial into acceptance. Well, not even acceptance, I would say, because I was still in denial a couple months in. It took me a while to really sit with it and see the reaction of people, see what was going on in the news and media as much as that's a hype machine. And then going into town here to go to the grocery store and seeing people masked up and the look in their eyes, people were barely even making eye contact. People were afraid. That's when it sort of started to really hit me. Yeah. Um, From my point of view, it was March time was when everything blew up here and my birthday's in March. So I'd had this quite, I didn't know it at the time, but what would later become a very profound special family holiday it was me my mum dad and sister my parents are divorced and have been separated for a long time but we still holiday together it's a unique situation but it it works for us and so we'd gone to edinburgh in scotland and it just so happened to be on the weekend that the the six nations rugby tournament was taking place so you had scotland versus france going on in edinburgh that weekend so there's like seventy thousand people from all over the world in Edinburgh that weekend and the coronavirus is in the news and it's happening. It's getting coverage. But even at this late in the game, this was the 6th of March. Everybody was still in the UK, at least like this. This isn't a thing that's going to threaten our lives to the ex- not even on a health scale, but just like this isn't going to change the way we live our lives at yeah. all. This is going to come and go. So that weekend comes and goes and, you know, it's beginning then to get more coverage in the news. More people are dying in other spots in the world. And then it's my birthday. March the 11th was the date. And I get a call from a guy called Tyson Cornell, who's a publisher for this publishing company called Rare Bird. And he reaches out to me and he says, "Um, Matt, you know, we don't know each other, but I know your show. I'm a big fan of your podcast. I do another show on my own from the UK called Life in the Stocks. And he says, I'd like to meet you and just, you know, hang out if you've got some time. And he was in town for a literary event, which all got pulled because of COVID. And so I guess he was just trying to make the most of his time in London. He's from L.A. So I arranged to meet him. And as it transpired, he wanted to offer me a book deal. And. It was on my birthday, which in itself was, you know, this crazy gift that I just, you know, could never even have dreamed of. But then what happened, it was just so strange. Obviously, the next week, the UK goes into national lockdown. So from 70,000 people from France and all over the world in Edinburgh watching the rugby, all in pubs, loving life, to a week later, the shutters are down, everything stopped. But for me, originally, I just was like, well, this is this perfect opportunity to write this book and not even being selfish and not thinking about the rest of the world. But I, in situations like that, have to do what I need to do to, to get, I go into like survival mode. That's how I cope with stuff like that. So I just thought, well, I need to just bunker down, write this book and almost block out what's going on outside in the same way. I think as you denying the larger implications of this thing and thinking in a couple of weeks, it'll all be over and done with. And then the more time went on, 
you obviously realize that's not the case. And then it's this process of grief and acceptance and yeah, you know, I like the fact that you mentioned, you know, sort of blocking it out and that survival mode because that's very much been the way that I deal with any heavy issue or confrontation in my life is to sort of focus on something, hyper focus on something to protect myself from the acceptance of it. And I would say that's probably one of the biggest lessons I learned this past year was how to cope with something that you're very uncomfortable with and you don't you don't want to admit it's as bad as it is. And we all clearly know it got bad. I mean, the entire globe was affected by this. So that's one of the big lessons that I would say is a positive thing for me. I learned how to cope with and strengthen myself and eventually change my perspective of the way that I see my, my myself, my career, and my life. And that was hard. There was a there were moments there when I was pretty down and out and despondent and wondering. How am I going to survive this? And then, as you said, I like that thrive, not just survive, but thrive. And that's when I started to think outside of the box, like connecting with people on the internet. I was not on Twitter. I was not on Facebook. I wasn't active on social media prior to this. And I kind of got to a moment where I was like, okay, that's one way I can connect with my audience, connect with my fans. The people who've carried me, essentially, these past 10 years with my career are, are the fans. So I reached out to them and started to have that dialogue with them. And that was right along the time that you and I really started to chat. I did, um, I interviewed you for your podcasts, which was On my own podcast. show. You flipped yeah. it. Yeah. It was a big deal for me. And I did a few other podcasts. Like I did Rob Flynn, who's also got a show here in gas digital and Jamie Joss to the Josta show. So doing little things here and there, I was really enjoying that process. And it would, it gave me something else to do and also hang out with somebody on zoom, which zoom became a thing, a whole other thing. So yeah, I think adaptation and, and switching my mindset, um, was a huge lesson for me. So I'm pulling myself out of that survival distraction mode, um, coping mode into like figuring out how to like face this shit head on and move forward and not be stuck. Because there was a good chunk of time where I felt stuck last year. And it's easier for some people than others. And I think a big part of what we'd really like to try and do with this show, because, you know, we're just two human beings that are still trying to figure it all out as well. And and this is a show that we both want to continue on for years to come. Yeah. It's not just something we want to be born in this pandemic time, do it for the length of time that we're in this thing and then cut and run. I think both of us want the same thing, which is to figure out what we're going through individually, connect with each other, and through the process of doing that, invite everybody else in as well. Because there's a lot of shows, and this isn't with any disrespect to any podcasts out there, but there's a lot of shows that feel like you're listening in, but you'd never be invited in. And there's a thrill to that too. But really, and we're not just saying it like we want to back it up with this show, these conversations that me and you are having, they're relative to everybody, whatever creative or professional field you're in you know whether you're a teacher whether you're a bartender whether you're a truck driver well maybe not truck driver because they can still operate doing their job fairly well i don't don't know i mean god knows how that's been affected but basically the moral of the story is everybody's been affected by this on such an axis shifting level yeah that you know there isn't really any going back and that's not necessarily 
a bad thing. And that's what I've come to learn is originally because my whole life has been spent in bars and clubs and mm -hmm. venues, DJing, touring, performing, hosting Q&A events. All my friends are live events, venue staff, tour crew or hospitality, you know, waiters, bartenders. And when those industries were brought to their knees by this thing, I grieved for the communities and the industries that I love and hold dear. And I thought, well, that's it. Life's over. But then it's, no, you've got to find a way to carry on. As you said, you've got to adapt. You've got to push forward. And there is where there is a will, there is a way. Because that's what we as human beings, I think, do that we don't give ourselves credit for is we're so adaptable. And it's just keeping, without being cheesy, it's keeping that fire inside you alive, isn't it? Keeping the fires lit 100%. to carry on. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I come from hospitality as well. I've bartended. I've worked in restaurants. So my thought was, you know, when this shit happened, my first gut reaction was, like, oh, I can always get a job as a bartender. No, I can't. So basically all the life skills that I, I have, have like created and worked for the entire, so it's not just being a musician, but you said like anyone in the hospitality entertainment industry, it, it shut down. Yep. So there was no, like, what do you do? So I had to go on, on unemployment for the first time since I was a teenager, you know, humbling humbling experience. And I would say that, that I don't regret that part of it. I embrace that part of it. The, the humility that I've seen and, and sort of adapting to um, being fairly, you know, staying fairly still being home for the longest amount of time that I've been home without the luxury of travel for the most part was a huge thing for me. And on top of that, you, you know, I'm, I'm sort of an empath. I'm not sort of, I am, yeah, you are. I am an empath. So not only was I concerned for myself, but I'm concerned from, like you said, our friends in the, in the entertainment industry, in the, you know, the food and hospitality industry, my crew, the kill switch engage crew, those guys have mortgages to pay. One of our guys has kids like my heart went out because I knew that I was okay for a certain amount of time with money that I had saved up you know, doing okay with money at the start of this, not so bad. But those guys, they live, a lot of those guys live check to check. You know, a lot of people out there live check to check. I do. I've always yeah. lived that way. A couple of checks away from what the fuck do I do now? So that was hard for me. I would say more so for, you know, looking at how other people, how are they coping and reaching out to my friends and not getting positive responses. That's, that was hard to hear. It's, you know, I can handle myself, but if somebody else is in distress and I can't help them, that was hard. Definitely hard. Big lessons learned. Um, but, you know, another thing, you know, we said at the top of this show, nature has been huge because I spent a good chunk of time in New York City living there. And I, I moved up to the Catskill Mountains and surrounded by nature. That was my first response to this after sort of sitting with it and accepting that, okay, this we're going to be here a while. This is going to take a while. This is huge. This is massive. This is global. So to help calm my anxieties and to sort of get my head right, I started a fairly normal routine of just going out into the woods and breathing and meditating and sitting by a stream and letting go of all the things that I was clinging to, the things that I can't control, you know, just letting that go. And it's become part of my routine to, to this day. And I'm honestly at more peace with myself 
in my mental health now than I ever was, which is crazy to think. But the world slowed down and I learned how to slow down with it and adapt. So that's been actually a, a blessing in disguise for me. And I've been on that exact same trajectory. And I think, again, that's another thing that we've really connected and bonded over is it took a global pandemic for me to stop, to take stock, to look around, to think, what do I want out of life? And also, who do I want to be? What kind of a person do mm -hmm. I want to be? Because it's very easy when you're busy and you're on the move all the time to not really reflect for too long on the qualities that define who you are because you're just in your lane running around trying to get stuff done. And I think for somebody like me, maybe like you too, I've got a very overactive brain and imagination and I overanalyze everything. So the original prospect of being, and it was only for a couple of weeks to begin with, like imagine how difficult it seemed at the start, the idea of being in lockdown for a month, God <laughs> yeah. forbid, and now we're a year that into it and it's like that first lockdown for a month, that was jokes. But for me, the original fear that I had was I know that there's nowhere to run. I'm single, I'm living on my own, and I'm going to just have to spend every day looking in the mirror going, well, who is this guy? Do I like this guy? And that's hard at first, as you mentioned, as you attested, as you alluded to, sorry, change is difficult. Yeah. But if you embrace it and you go with it, the growth is always ultimately going to make you a better person if you can just steer the course and you're willing to commit to doing it and not yeah. avoid it and run away. And I guess this year we've all been faced with the reality of, well, there's actually nowhere to run away to now. So it's time for you to really get to know yourself. And we yeah. don't necessarily like what we see. A lot of us don't. I know I didn't to begin with. I was just going to say that. I was literally just going to say that. It's, it's, yeah, you have to, <laughs> because what are you going to do? You know, you spend time alone. You know, I'm fortunate to have my girlfriend that I quarantine with, but I had to have moments alone. I had to go out and just sit with myself. And I'm actually curious because, you know, you've mentioned this briefly, but not everybody knows what it's like to write a book. Um, and, I, you know, we we would talk here and there throughout this. But, there, you know, there were times where I wouldn't hear from you for a while and you just went into the cave. You were in your own world writing this book. So uh, speak on that. What's it like to write a book during this? Time? So you're dealing with all this shit. And I know that it was partially probably distracting for you. But, you know, I'm sure the majority of us don't know what it's like to write a book. What was that? What was that like? Well, it was the trip of all trips. It really was. And obviously, I don't have anything to compare it to because this was my first time writing a book. But I've written my whole life. So I've written plenty of articles over the years. So I know a little bit about the process. But I think you even mentioned to me, you were like, when you finish this thing, there's going to be a come down and you better prepare yourself for that. Yes. And I wasn't. And I'll get to that in a minute. But you really, when you make an album or a feature length film or a body of work that you spend months on, right? I'm not just talking about a photography project that, you know, you do in a week or these are, you know, the, the kind of real artistic explorations of the self and the soul. You have to go to a certain place and figure out your voice, right? And part of that process is self-discovery. And there's obviously great reward in that. And with this pandemic being you know, global thing, everybody was doing their own version of self-discovery. Mine was just that more, much more intense because there was this book to complete. And I spent three months, you say a cave, there was a literal basement in the flat that I was in. So I'd wake up every morning, I'd trudge down the steps into the basement and I'd really only come up for like lunch 
tea. That was it. Dinner. Um, the rest of the time I'm down in the basement typing away. And I wrote this thing so fast because my publishers were like, let's get this thing out there now. It ended up being delayed anyway, but I wrote the thing in three months, which is a very short space of time to write a book. And in that time, I welcomed the distraction from what was going on outside wholeheartedly, and it saved my sanity in a way. But on the flip side, the book that I was writing was transcriptions of conversations from my other podcast, and I chose to focus on the opening 18 months of the show and I thought I'll do a series of books this will be the first volume of many and I'll go through chronologically the episodes that stand out the most where there's you know the most engaging conversations taking place so all the conversations that I was typing up were from the first 18 months of the show which was when I was going through a breakup with the most important relationship of my life at that point and you know maybe ever who knows <laughs> um it was a heavy time I was dealing with depression, alcoholism. Mm. So I was in a really dark place for that period. And so I'm in this pandemic dealing with all that stuff, going through these conversations that are three years old, reliving this incredibly painful, traumatic time in my life from three years ago, bam, double whammy at the same time. And exactly as you predicted, when I finished the thing, I was fine whilst I was doing it because every day I had tasks Right, I need to I need to transcribe these two today, these two tomorrow. I always had goals I need to to be working towards. When I finished the thing, I had like a mini breakdown, man, because I'd been going through all this stuff and there was all this drama with the original artist that drew the original cover with stuff that was going on in his private life and I had to remove him from the project and get a new artist, like real stressful stuff on top of it all and the minute i handed in the thing and i finished it like i really did lose my mind for a minute and i don't really know what happened i became a little crazy for a while and went off the rails and it was it was fucking scary yeah i think uh you raised a good point too about you know the struggle of it and i'm sure a lot of people can relate to you know um alcohol has always been a, a something i've wrestled with on and off and ironically you and i kind of went on the same path and, and sort of got rid of it. You know, I'm not completely sober, but I I don't drink even nearly as much and not even close to as much as I have. And coming out of that alcoholic fog or, you know, at least relying on alcohol as sort of your routine and a way to just de-stress quick, learning the process to mentally do that fairly sober has been interesting as well. And, uh, you know, I was kind of going down the same path that you were, but you took it to a whole other level. You did like a, fa you did a fast, you did a bunch of stuff. And I, I love that. I think I've seen a lot of people kind of go through that because you kind of move through the motions of this year and, and you're trying to do self-improvement. At least people who are actively trying to push forward went through this whole thing. Of, okay, now we're dealing with this heavy thing. You're pushing through. And then how do you make yourself, you know, improve upon yourself? And that was around prior to this was around that time that you and I started to chat about this particular uh, idea of coming together. Because we had talked about the idea of doing a, a around the fire chat, you know, inspired by Joe Strummer's um, talks that he had, which I that you sold me immediately when you mentioned Joe Strummer, because, uh, you know, listeners can't see, but viewers, I've got Joe Strummer right on my arm right there. I'm a massive. I've never even seen that before. I didn't even know you had that. 
Really? That's so funny. Yeah, I've it's had a Joe Strummer tattoo on his arm, ladies and Joe gentlemen. Strummer, for right there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> so Joe has has been a, a huge inspiration on me. Um, for you know, for positivity, the way he was with his lyrics, the way he was with his band. You know, to me, music should mean something. So I've kind of modeled my whole life after that. So when you mentioned the idea of this podcast and you mentioned Joe and then in the same breath mentioned Anthony Bourdain, that just totally was like, oh, okay, you got my attention. What's up? So, you know, from you writing the book to, to me sort of um, going through my own shit and I'll piggyback on that and said, I started to write ambient music to help me sort of stay positive and give myself therapy I love soothing ambient music. So I put out a whole album of ambient music called The Way Back Within, which I did just to, you know, distract myself to just get it out. Yeah. And and just sit in a room and just play soothing sounds with my headphones on and get lost. And that was awesome. Honestly, it was good therapy for me. So yeah, it's stuff that I would never have had time for though, had I been on the road. Like there's a lot of things that happened this past year that would have never happened with the life that I lived. Cause I'm home for two, three weeks at the most. Then I'm back out for a month, month and a half and I'm home. It's that crazy chaos, the pirate life really that once it slowed down and everything came to a halt, you know, you and I being sociable people, you naturally turn within and that would not have happened if life were as usual, you know? Yeah, and something you just made me think about there is we're in this age at the moment of technology really being at the forefront of society. I was watching, I can't remember what it was. It was maybe just an interview. It might have been an interview with David Bowie. I've been you know, going down these old David Bowie rabbit holes. If it wasn't him, it was another Jeez. artist of that stature. And they were saying, like, technology should service us. Like, technology should be a tool to improve our lives. and. I'm always in two minds about it because on the one hand, right, in this pandemic age that we're in, Zoom and Instagram Live and technology has made, it's made this shit bearable yeah. because we're doing this show through Zoom right now. People are listening via apps, which is, you know, that's technology right there working for us. But at the same time, there's so much pressure and division and depression spiraling out of social media and the internet and i think a big thing for us as well is trying as joe says at the start of every show we're trying to reclaim the humanity and connect actually use technology to communicate and engage and connect and not just vicariously live through other people's posts and voyeuristically judge and you know, live, live separated and divided because you can use these things to your advantage, but you really have to be conscious of how you use them. And we've spoken a lot about that as well is like the evils, but the beauty of the digital age and trying to negate those two, you know, very different worlds. You can have the same accounts on your phone, but you can live totally different lives and experiences depending on how you engage with them. Yeah. And I think we'd be remiss to not mention too the fact that People have dealt with sickness. People have dealt with death, as we usually would as the world was the way it was. Not being able to have access to those people, not being able to go to the hospital to see your sick family member and how technology 
Zoom, uh, Instagram Live, those things are used as a tool to stay connected to your loved ones who may be suffering, who may be sick. There are people who haven't seen, you know, their parents, their grandparents, because they're afraid of potentially passing on something. So there's a whole other aspect of of technology that has actually helped people cope, like you said. But you know, it's also dangerous too because it can be used to, like you said, judge people to make people feel less than. There's a whole and and abuse. Abuse is like on the rise as well. You know, people being stuck. But you know, I love this Zoom thing because I've been able to hang out with my family and see them. Uh, I've been able to hang out with my band a couple of times and see them. It's something we would have never done before because there was no need to. Um, but I find that fascinating. And, you know, I'm also thankful in the same breath to say that none of my close family and friends were really affected by this. I didn't lose anybody. And to those people listening or watching that did lose anyone, we, I couldn't be more sorry for you during this time having to have to deal with that type of thing and the way that the world is and the amount of sadness and fear you must have felt. So that's a whole other aspect of, of this too is you and I, for the most part, we navigate our lives and we're unique people, but there are some people who had it rough and that's definitely a burden on my heart to this day. Um, so thankful for that and anybody who's listening that had to deal with that, our deepest condolences to you guys. And I hope stuff like this podcast and things that we're going to put out to be maintain positivity, you know, we're going to go deep on certain topics and stuff, but I think you and I have this need to stay positive. And I think that's, this podcast is going to be a place of solace, a place where you can switch on and know that there's going to be positive energy and people who actually care and want to engage with you. So I'm another reason why I'm stoked about this. Yeah, positive mental attitude doesn't mean that you're in a good mood all the time, does it? It means that you have a resilience and a strength and a determination and an optimism, even in the bleakest of times. And we won't probably mention, you know, too often the corona experience after yeah. this episode, if it spirals into two. We just wanted to lay the groundwork now because it's definitely given birth to this thing. Yeah. But I mean, in line with what you just said, if anybody out there feels brave enough or or even they want to you might just not want to but if anybody wants to share any stories of personal experiences from what your lockdown or pandemic experience has been like if you want to get it off your chest or share in the hope of inspiring others or just connecting with people who might have had similar experiences if you want to email us anything you might have gone through or learned um, we'd love to hear from you stoke the fire pod at gmail.com we will read all those emails and yeah, I think there could be some, because that's the other thing you realize is stories, you know, I'm a storyteller, you know, that's again, one of the things that we connected over early on with my podcast and how we met is I love to try and capture the human experience on tape. That for me is what podcasting is all about is, you know, and through doing that, what I've learned is it doesn't matter the size or the fame of the guest or the speaker some of the most interesting and inspiring and humane human stories out there are just from the guy that you know you met at the grocery store on Tuesday, just a regular Joe that has been through some of the most profound, painful, incredible experiences. And I find eternal inspiration and strength from from, from that. I yeah. mean, that without being too cheesy, again, that is the very essence of life, isn't it? When you're reminded of it on that level. 
I this agree. year has been wild for that. To be aware of other people, to be considerate of other people, um, I think is huge. And I want to go back a little bit too, because I think this is also an important aspect of, of pulling this whole podcast intro together and looking back. Another thing that I did to stay sane during all this is I would light a fire in my backyard. I've got a pretty nice fire pit back there. And I would go on Instagram live and just say, people can talk to me, ask me questions, whatever. And I would just sit and hang out with people on Instagram live with my fire in the background and sort of do what we were talking about. It's kind of like a fireside chat. And through that and through talking to people on Instagram live or taking time in my morning routine, walking down by the river and just putting out my thoughts unedited and seeing the responses that I got back, seeing the stories that I was reading, talking to people who were dealing with sickness, who were dealing with death, who were dealing with the fact that they don't know how they're going to pay their bills. They don't know how they're going to feed their kids. All this heavy, heavy stuff. And I was able to reach out back to them via social media and sort of be there for people. And, you know, granted, I didn't dive in and become a therapist to anybody, but just taking five minutes out of my day to respond to somebody was huge. And I've kind of made some friendships th through that because of that. And people who like support me on my, you know, on Cameo, I'm on Cameo, which is a thing I'd never thought I would do <laughs> where, you know, you, you and the rest of the music industry, man. I know. Right. Yeah. It's, it's become such a crazy thing that I didn't think I would ever do. And I, I first was like, Oh, I don't want to do this. And it became part of my routine and I actually enjoyed doing it. It became part of like, I'd have my coffee in the morning and I would do some cameos and people were paying me to be part of their lives. And the money helped for sure, but it was more about the connection that happened and being a, like, I, I'll never forget. I helped somebody propose to a girl like, and it's like, how? how is this my life right now? And at first it was a little hard to swallow. And I felt, you know, I had to swallow my pride. Like I used to be on stage and in front of thousands of people. And now here I am, you know, saying happy birthday to Joey. Like it just, at first it was weird. And then I embraced it and it became part of my routine. And I guess my point is connection, connecting to people has been huge for my mental state of mind. And you can build each other up just by being there for somebody, for listening to somebody, to letting them know. And I see this on my chat, on my comments on social media all the time. Someone will say out loud on a chat, I'm not doing good. And you'll see all these people commenting to come to their aid. And it's beautiful to see that. That is the side of social media that I absolutely love. And I have tried to cultivate, you know, and you're talking about how this podcast is not going to be another podcast dwelling on the coronavirus, dwelling on all this shit that makes people anxious and scared. And there's enough of that. This is going to be your refuge. This is going to be a place where we're going to feed your soul and edify you. And I try to do that on social media through connection. And you see the beautiful side of people when you create a forum or you're putting out ideas that are positive and loving and supportive and giving people a sort of a safe place to talk about things. That's been eye-opening this past year and something I'm super happy to continue doing. And, you know, people who stay in touch with me, my fans and my friends on social media, it's been beautiful to watch that unfold, the connection that you can have through social media. Yeah, and that's real life as well, isn't it? You know, if you are a negative person and you surround yourself with negative energy, 
that is going to be an overriding theme in your real life as well. Like I believe in the same way you're talking about curating your online experience. I think you can do that in day-to-day life in the real world as well. And this year has, if ever there was a time to learn the sort of people you want in your life, not just this kind of person you want to be, but who you want to be around and surround yourself with. Because so much of my social circle, and this isn't necessarily people who I think are bad people at all. It's just kind of like dead weight, if you will. And Mm. it's more about now quality over quantity because you really had to kind of refine (laughs) who who you're engaging with because you can't just go to the pub or a gig and see 20 people in a night. You can't do that anymore. So you really have to go, well, who do I want to speak to today that's going to make me feel alive? Which friend do I have that dynamic with? And then you call that person and then you feel better about yourself because you've connected with somebody that feels the same way that you do. And I don't mean has the same political beliefs. I think you should surround yourself with people that have different yeah. opinions. Yeah. I think that's vital. But yeah. just surround yourself with people that complement your personality and vice versa. Like what kind of a person do you want to be in other people's lives? You know, when yeah. they get off the phone to you, do they want to be like, God, that was draining? Or do they want to be like, <laughs> I feel better for talking to that person. Yeah. That's who I want to be. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the the political thing because that's something that's frustrated me so much throughout this is if you believe one thing, you're on this side. If you believe one thing, you're on the other side. That Vision. thing that has been created is astounding. And I found myself in the middle trying to find a common ground to stand on with people. And I've actually attempted to engage here and there and realized very quickly that's that's not my gift. What I believe of what's been happening and transpiring and you know the misinformation we've been getting versus what's actually happening, all that, I definitely have opinions about it. But it's an ever evolving opinion because I am open to discussion and I am open to the fact of talking to people with different views. And I think that's been vital to me to sort of grasp the situation and not sort of putting on the political blinders of like, this is who I am. This is what I believe. And that's it. And people who have been like that, I've distanced myself from, because I don't believe that's the way to to go about doing this. That sort of um, mainstream media, um, agenda that has truly worked dividing people is so toxic so toxic and it's it's so counterproductive um so you know going back to we were talking about creating and curating a space online i've made it a point to put out positive stuff to put out so if you 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 click on my instagram stories you you're going to see inspirational stuff you're going to see musical stuff you know i started a, a radio show on on station head uh, to play music that I like and talk about the music I like, just like you did the soundtrack to the apocalypse. It's just, you're trying to find things to put out to people to, to help them cope as well. Cause it helps you cope and that reciprocation. Um, so yeah, I've, I've just decided with politics and all that, cause I can't wrap my head around it. It just, it's this ever evolving, horrible mess of anxiety and fear that I just decided to not engage in and try to stay positive and give a different perspective to people you know, to create something that's nice. You can come on my page. I'm not going to preach at you or shove something down your throat. I'm going to give you something interesting and entertaining, hopefully. Yeah, and that's a big thing we should say with this show is politics, leave them, I would say at the door, but we're outside around the campfire. Leave politics in the adjacent town. I don't care who you vote for. 
I want to know who you are. What kind of a person are you? And that's what I've always said. Like, I know plenty of people who voted for Trump and for Brexit and might have different on paper political beliefs to me. But I would never erase someone from my life because of the way they think or feel about a certain policy here or there. And I think what is interesting, just whilst we're on this, is I was watching a comedian Again, I'm referencing stories. I can't remember who was saying it, but this comedian was saying in the past, historically, Christmas is the time of year when whatever your political leanings are, you get together with your family, you put your differences aside for a day and you say, we're all friends, family, and we love each other. So it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or a Republican or whatever. But they said that this year, well, over the last four years, Donald Trump has really made it difficult for people who feel different to connect and it's not just him he's one cog in this thing but right now people from the left and the right are just being pushed further and further away from each other and i think it's people like me and you and hopefully a lot of people who are going to be listening to this show people with common sense and decency and heart and soul who are kind of in the middle looking at extremists from both sides going we're all human beings let's find some common ground let's agree on this thing here what let's find one thing we can agree on music What a great place to start. We all like this song. Let's start there and let's go from there. But I don't want anybody to feel like they can't listen to this show because of who they, you know, support or vote for. That's bullshit to me. Are you an interesting person? Are you a good person? How's your heart? How's your heart and soul? You know, I have friends and family on both sides of the spectrum and I don't care either. I, I care about compassion. I care about, you know, taking care of humanity and, it's okay to have different political leanings, you know? It's okay. Uh, well, you know, how boring would the world be if we all felt the same and liked the same thing? Yeah, you can learn a lot from somebody who thinks differently. And I've engaged people, not online, in person with, you know, the masks and all that distance and all that stuff. Because I've been, I've been kayaking and hiking and you see outdoors people and we respect each other's distance when we see each other on the trail or when I'm pulling my kayak out of the water. I had this great conversation with this guy older guy in his, you know, seventies, old Italian guy. He's really set in his ways. And I knew he was a full on Trump supporter. And we were talking about the black lives matter movement and everything that transpired in early days of the pandemic. And that even polarized people when you had, um, you know, everybody knows what happened. I don't want to get into it um, because we could go down that rabbit hole. Um, And at the time I was working with Rob Flynn on a track called stop the bleeding so it was fresh in my mind. And, and I had this idea of, regardless of, of all the white noise that surrounded that subject, the underlying theme to it for me was having compassion and, and allowing people who felt uh, underappreciated or, you know, or um, kept down to have a platform to speak on. And that was the whole thing for me. It was like, let people have their say to speak. Like there's atrocities happening and they need a platform to speak on. And I'm working on a song called Stop the Bleeding, which is a positive thing. Rob and I talked about it. Like we're, we want people to come together. That was song was meant to be like, there are wrongs and there are rights. Everyone should recognize what's wrong and what's right and come together and unify over that. But unfortunately, throughout this whole past year, it's served to divide people. So that energy of trying to continue to bring people together has always been a part of who I am. And it's been heightened even more so. So this conversation I had with this old man, we talked for a good 15, 20 minutes. And he said stuff that I was like, ah, oh. and I said stuff where he was like, ah, oh. and at the end of it, 
it was yeah. peaceful. It was peaceful. And he yeah. was like, oh. it was peaceful. And he he was like, Oh, I'm glad we talked. I was like, Yeah, I'm glad we talked too, because we were both able to hear each other out. And he had a unique perspective of what he thought. And I had a unique perspective. And we met As we all do, right? We've all got yeah. our own unique perspective and we should just take more time, I think, to see the other person's side meet each other and listen to each other and don't shut each other down. You know, I mean, obviously there are exceptions to the rule. If you're talking about strictly hate or you're being an absolute racist. Okay. Clearly. But I don't think there's a lot of people that are inherently out to harm. I think it's just misunderstandings. I think it's all how you were raised, how you came up, your experiences, but those things can evolve and change over time if you're open for them. And I think that's huge. You got to be humble. You got to be willing to continue to evolve as a human. And a lot of the good, deep conversations I've had throughout my life have been around a fire under a blanket of stars. You take people and put them around a fire and you'll physically see them change. You'll see them open. And that theme and that idea is a huge part of who I am. When I engage with people, I have that in the back of my mind. I truly believe that People are good deep down inside. I think there are more good people than there are bad people, quote unquote. And you have to figure out how to access that part, the humanity of people, to touch on the humanity. Like I was saying earlier, wrong and right. It's not left or right. It's wrong and right. It's like, what makes you a good person? What makes us all good? We want to, you know, hatred versus love. You know, love is such a powerful thing and something that I've championed in my lyrics and my lifestyle. And it's funny because we all need it. We all need love. It's the universal thing. But, you know, people are damaged. So it's a process. And I think engaging people and meeting them where they are and allowing them to tell their story, and then you take it in and you give them your story, that interaction, especially now with the social distancing and not being able to sit next to somebody at a pub or meet them at a punk show and talk about these things or, or relate to people, it's so huge to be more open now that we are sort of segregated physically from each other. Amen, brother. And I think that really says all we need to say for today. And I don't think we need to spill this into two episodes because I feel like although we've broadly gone over a lot of it, we have tried to, in as much of our you know non-expertise way that we have, try and understand and get to grips with 2020 yeah. and and the, the madness that it was and continues to be and so next week we're going to look ahead so this was about looking back over the last 12 months next week we're going to look ahead um in in line with our love of joe's drummer we'll probably be calling that episode the future is unwritten we'll talk a lot about the music industry and the future for for bands and venues and and you know the touring crews that you mentioned that have been out of work for so long we'll also look ahead to exciting releases this year albums films times of grace your other bands have you know you've you've finished the record hopefully you're going to know in the next few days the release date for that and everything going forward so we'll reconvene next week we'll talk about this year and beyond the new times of grace record i want to get into that if you're all right with it dude in yeah of course yeah, as I think much it's... detail as we can yeah i think that album will speak speak very much to the times we've been living through and i think it's yeah, it's perfect. So we'll get some exclusive stuff, hopefully. I mean, regardless of if there's solid dates by the time there's, um, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Amazing. And then the fourth week after 
We've then, I think, so we've looked at our friendship last year, this year. Hopefully then the foundations will be laid. You'll know what this show is all about, but then we still want to get to know you. So the fourth episode, just to give you the overview of this month, is when we're going to open it up and we're going to have the first of hopefully many monthly campfire Q&A sessions. So if you want to start sending in your questions, your talking points, as I said earlier, your personal stories, anything you like, get in touch with us. Stoke the Fire Pod on all the social media pages and stokethefirepod at gmail.com. Please email us questions. Nothing is off limits as well, right, Jesse? Obviously, if we read it and we don't want to answer it, we won't. But really, there's no question too personal. Hopefully, if you're coming to this show, you'll be familiar with at least one of us and what we're about and you'll know that we're very transparent open people we're down to talk about anything so please feel like you can ask us anything and then the fifth and final week of march it's going to be our first guest yes i'm not going to say who it is yet though we're going to tease you and we'll wait but um i think that's it for now dude it's been a pleasure i kind of wish now we could just start a fire and toast some marshmallows and crack a beer and (laughs) but there will be time for that Someday, someday, my friends, someday, yeah. Thanks, Jesse. I'll see you next week, man. I can't wait. Take care, everybody. Peace. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.